favor and blessing on us right now. Lord, I love you and I thank you. And ask for grace that really is undeniable right now for all of us. Thank you for each person that's here. Absolutely in, in my heart. And I know um, I know that you love them so much. But it, it means so much to me that they're here. Ask your grace and favor right now on us, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So let's begin with an idea about the New Testament church. By the way, I'm, that's my cell phone number. And if you have a question about the church in the sense of New Testament theology and what it means, I want you to text me and say, hey, Chris, would you please you know, cover this, this subject? Because I'd be glad to do that. And then uh, uh, for today, though, I want to ask a really unusual question. And that is, is church membership a biblical idea? Is that a biblical idea? And you know how you, uh, in some of the traditions, you get a card and you fill out the card, a little four by six card, and it, and it says, I'm, I'm requesting church membership. And you, you fill out your name, address, phone number, and are you a Christian? Yes. Have you been baptized? Yes. And, and you know, can we register, enroll you for Sunday school? Yes. And you get that little four by six card, and then you, you uh, like put it in the offering plate, and then you get a call that Monday or something. Hey, we understand you're applying for church membership kind of thing. Does any, has anybody done that? You've done the four by six card? Several of us, a few of us, yeah, a little bit. So I remember doing that. And uh, is that a biblical idea? Is church, we got one nod, is that a biblical idea? So I want to engage just a little bit before I jump in on that idea. Um, give me some, Cody, Lee, good to see you. Cody, you just missed it. It was Georgia and the Horn Frogs, and it was for you. Because, by the way, Cody has the best accent. You've got to just talk to get, to get that accent. And uh, good to see you. It means so much. So, making Georgia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Go on, Frogs. So, love Cody. So, what do you guys think? Is membership biblical? And should a staff member insist that you be a member? Or is it okay just to be kind of a participant? You know, you can kind of roll in, roll out when you want. What do you think? Well, you're going to be a talkative bunch this morning, I can tell. So. What, is it biblical? What's that? Ah, I like that it's implied. That's interesting. The church is the bride of Christ. You can't have to be a bride. Well, it doesn't go well or end well if you go that route. So anybody else? Is it biblical? You know, biblical. That's an important idea. Can you back it up with the word, preacher man? Come on. What's the word? I want a name and address. Give it to me. Okay, where's the name and address for membership? Where do you turn? Is it unbiblical? That's a great question. He's reversing it. Isn't that unbiblical? A non-scriptural, non-biblical idea. Anybody else? Anybody else? By the way, the seeker-friendly churches have really, they soft-sell this a lot because they don't offend anybody. So, all right, I want to introduce an idea about marriage. That's something Paul did. Paul said, hey, the relationship between a husband and wife is kind of like Jesus and the church. And so I want to borrow that idea. You tell me, what if you've been married for a while? And if you, know any, if you have been married for a while, even a few years, you might notice that maybe the romance kind of, the romance volume kind of gets a little lower than normal, right? And, and when you come home from work, your wife is not standing at the doorway. 
going, I love you, and I miss you all day long. Give me a kissy face. You know, your wife doesn't do that, and of course you don't do it either. And, and, and you get, well, how come you don't say I love you anymore? This kind of stuff, right? All right, how about this? You come home. This is from the male perspective. You come home. She doesn't meet you with huggy, huggy, kissy face. And no, I love you, but here's what's happened at home. Um, she washed your car. Didn't tell you about it. She washed your clothes, folded them. Just did it. She cooked a meal. She shared the bed with you. She's raised kids with you. Oh, by the way, she picked up your favorite so-and-so at Kroger. Is that love? Is that love? But she didn't say, I love you. (laughs) Sometimes we say things without saying it. Do you understand what I mean by that? Sometimes we, we do things that imply a tremendous love. Right. And you can flip it, you know, you know the, uh, the husband doesn't come home, huggy, huggy, kissy face, and say, I just love you, you're the greatest woman in the world, and you're more pretty than anybody. You know, he doesn't say that, but he worked hard all week, real hard, and endures things at work that you don't know about. And there's money that can buy the food at Kroger and pay the mortgage, and the grass gets cut. And the car's washed and sometimes laundry is folded together and all these kinds of things. That's the way of showing love too, right? Okay. Let's borrow that idea that Paul did, a husband and wife, Jesus and the church. Let's kind of borrow that idea of saying something without really clearly or um, Linda implicitly or or rather explicitly saying it. Okay, now, uh, you know I'm an educator I've been trained in education among several things. I love teaching. And I know it's going to get up. I know it might be a little jump for you. Please be patient with me. I want you to think with me. I want you to own it. PowerPoint's kind of a great thing, but it's also an annoying thing. So let's try to answer this question. Is church membership a biblical idea? First word is the word ecclesia. It means church, but it really specifically means to be called out. Uh, Someone said bride of Christ. Um, Lee, you said bride of Christ. You're called out of the world and into a relationship with Jesus. Ek, out, kaleo, calling. You're called out of the world. So Jesus said, you know, hey, Peter, I'm going to build my church on the people that I call out of the world. That's my church, the people called together. How about this word? Um, remain in me and I in you, as the branch can't bear fruit of itself. The word meadow, it means to stay put, to remain. The idea is whoever these people are that follow Jesus, whoever these people are that are born again, they stay put. There's something, language and descriptors are forming here. You're called out, you stay put in Christ. How about this one? Acts 2, those who'd received the word, meaning they believed the gospel, were baptized, and they were added about three sets. So you've got this addition concept, Lee. People are getting into the group. Now, if you go to 1 John 2, 19, you've got people being subtracted out of the group. So addition and subtraction with this group. Together, uh, AP, and, and simply, it, I just want to get at this idea. There's a togetherness. There's inclusion. There's what we're doing right now. We're together. 
we're gathered together. That's a part of this thing called the church. Let's keep going. Punsy's out. This, this is curious. Um, Acts 6, there's a problem with food service. You've got Greek widows and you've got Hebrew widows and it's mealtime. And guess what the servers are doing? They're, paying fa- they're playing favorites and they're giving first servings of food to the Hebrew women, Hebrew widows. And so the Greek women are not having something to eat. Complain, uh, complaining starts, you know, an empty stomach, you get hangry, you, you get complaining. And these Greek women are, who've been converted are saying, what's going on? Why aren't we being served? And so, so the apostles say, hey, we need table waiters. We need people to serve at table, to serve dinner. And when you look at the, the list of the first seven deacons or table waiters, guess what? They're all ethnic Greeks. Ain't that something? That the, that the first deacons are ethnic Greeks because the Greek women were not being served. When you identify a problem, you need to be a part of the answer for that problem, right? So they were among us. There's, there's amongness, togetherness. It's a real deal. Again, increasing more this idea of, of addition. What about this one? This is in Acts 14. There's a problem going on in a particular city, and they're arguing, and it says some people sided with Paul. Siding, choosing sides. Is it going to be Georgia? Is it going to be a TCU? You got to choose sides. Um, I love watching football, and little Isaiah is hilarious. He'll he'll come in on the game, and he'll go, "Who are we for? <laughs> the team with blue or the team with white jerseys?" And I and we talk, and and you know he likes you know T Rexes and all that stuff, and, and big tough creatures. And I said, "Well, Isaiah, you know, Zay, I'm I'm going with the Patriots." And he goes, I'm going with the Panthers, the Panthers. And I realize he's a little boy and he doesn't know better, but you know how it is. <laughs> Got to choose sides. And so when it comes to this thing called the church, it's a choosing sides. And you got to make a decision what side you're on. Okay, just a few more here. Uh, join. This is interesting. Some of them were persuaded and joined. There's some kind of an in-group, out-group language. And Silas, what an amazing name, eh? And then Acts 20, 28, Paul is warning the leaders at Ephesus. He's saying, look, you be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, flock, more than one flock, and that the Holy Spirit has made you overseers of to shepherd the church of God that he purchased with his own blood, church of God. So these are more descriptors that describe this thing. Okay, how about this? Letters of recommendation or commendation. This is really interesting. Um, uh, you know, for example, Mason's here. Good to see you, Mason. If, um, if Mason is going to go join a church out in California, Mason may come to me and say, Chris, would you write a letter of commendation for me? And I go, sure. And so I write a letter that says, to it may concern in, in California. I know this man personally. He's a follower of Jesus. He's not a troublemaker in church. He walks with Jesus in truth and grace. I endorse him. I'm asking you to accept his request for membership. That's a letter of recommendation. So it's a real thing. And in the Greco-Roman world, in Paul's world, the Hebrew world, the Jewish world, 
Reputation is everything. It's a really, really big deal because it's an honor-shame culture, okay? And so people would actually write letters of commendation. All right, what about this one? Uh, remove, 1 Corinthians 5, there is radical and perverse immorality going on at the church, a small church in Corinth. And Paul is expecting subtraction. It's not always addition. Sometimes it's subtraction. How come you didn't remove this guy? How come? You can't serve in the Eucharist. He needs to be removed. He's not, he, he might claim to be a follower of Jesus, but he's not acting that way. He should be removed. All right, what about this one? Factions. Some people thrive on being troublemakers, for there have also, but, but there also have to be factions among you so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Men power tripping is basically what this is about. So, but here you go. You, if there's factions, it means you've got a hole and somebody's breaking it up. Um, Christ's body is soma Christi. I mean, that's beautiful. Now you are Christ's body and individually parts of it. That's really a, a, a major New Testament theme. Parts, hands and feet and noses and ears and things. So, okay, accountability. This is a tough one. This is one we kind of don't like so much. First Corinthians 14. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he's convicted by all. Uh, he's called to account by all. There is a clear idea in Scripture that whatever this thing is, call it church membership, it has to do with accountability. It has to do with the group being together. Those who have joined something, those that have chosen sides, those that are insiders, those that are outsiders, there has to be accountability and with that comes judgment. Um, assemble together, that's a really important word. Sun erkamai, which erkamai means, it means, come here, come here, you know. And, and your grandson or granddaughter, come, come here, come here, come here. That's what erkamai means. Sun erkamai means, together we come here, is what it means. You assemble together. So here you go again, Lee, we've got some kind of a gathering language. We're getting together. And then what about the household of faith? Galatians 6, beautiful language. And then, and then look at this here. Members, fellow members. Paul actually uses that word. We're parts of or members of the body of Jesus. Paul plainly says the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Why does a church exist? It has a lot to do with truth. And then uh, encourage one another. Let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Wow. Meeting together, that's another one. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Obey and submit more words that are not real popular in our culture right now. So here's some descriptors. All right. And this is just a run through of the terms. I just walked through the descriptors. So here's my question for you. Now that you see this, is church membership a biblical idea? What do you think? Think so? Get a little bit of a nod now and again. Yeah. It would highly depend on what you define as church Okay, what, what do you give, give it a go? Is the filling out of a four by six card good enough? It's not there anymore. Right. Is commitment to a body 
biblical. Yes. Okay. I like that. You're thinking biblically. I really like that. Yeah. So it's not a simple card thing because the scripture says, does not say, thou shalt go to a church and take unto thyself a card. Four by six, preferably. The liberals do. Three by five. We're conservative. We go four by six. And fill out the card thereof and submit it and thou shalt be a member of the kingdom of God. Nothing in the scripture that indicates any silly kind of thing like that. It doesn't say if you don't, if you don't join the church in our modern formal sense of what that means, that you're not a Christian. doesn't say it anywhere. So does that mean church membership is absurd? Or does it mean attendance is absurd? Well, of course not. So what do you think? What does this imply? That's a great question. What does this imply? What is the theological significance of those descriptors? What would you say? There's a level of Giving and receiving, encouragement, encourage one another, and that goes both ways. Sure, Michael. Uh, I was going to say just the idea of being under authority. I mean, everybody's under authority as it is anyway. Right, but right. being under authority in church is actually, I don't know how to say it. People have a negative connotation when it comes to being under authority. Absolutely. But being under that authority is actually so much of a positive in a person's life. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, yes, Lisa. So, I don't know that, you know, you have like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm so glad you're struggling. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, the the, one of the card thing, but even sororities, clubs, fraternities, I mean, even your chamber of commerce, I mean, people come together be members of something, a collective, to hopefully, I don't know, be of the same mind. I mean, AA, got all, all that. Yeah, exactly. All yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, if we have a sense of belonging with other believers, yeah. we do get encouraged, we do get sure. we can help each other. Yeah. You've answered well, Lisa. In fact, if you do background work in, in Roman and, and Greek history, they have what are called trade guilds, trade guilds. And for example, Janice is a CPA, right? So Janice joins and becomes a member, a member of the CPA guild. And so she hangs out with these people. Um, they had guilds, Lisa, for funerals, funerary guilds. And you know what you, know what you did? You'd pay membership. You had membership dues to the funerary guild and guess what the benefit of being in that group was? A guaranteed de- decent burial. <laughs> How cool is that? Is that modern-day life insurance? <laughs> uh, yeah, in a way, sure. Burial insurance, sure, absolutely. Because in the Greco-Roman world, one of the most disrespectful things that could ever happen to you is to have a shameful burial. Or not. worst of all, not buried at all. That would be the worst thing at all. Oh, yeah, they had professional mourners grieving, yeah. They would honor you by grieving your death and honor you by making sure you get a good burial, yeah. So, so Lisa, you're on to something. This is nothing new. Joining a group is nothing new. Brian? Participation. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Brian, what happens to a cop that doesn't want to 
hang out with cops and be a part of the fraternity, you know, the, the order of outsider? Yes. Is there a tendency that, that when he needs help, he gets shunned? They're not as fast to respond. Ain't that something? <clears throat> so what is the theological significance of these two scriptures? I offer the following for you. Ready? Number one. These terms point to the assumption of and the expectation of group cohesion. Glue, being held together, cohesion, right? Um, anybody, quick, quick pop quiz here, dyadic. What is the dyadic person? What is that? Sabrina, what is it? What is monadic personality, dyadic personality? Anybody else? Anybody should remember this, students? This will be on the test, on the final. Yes, the dyadic personality is the collective sense of self. It's all of us together. We are one family. Even though there's many, we're one. That's dyadism. Monadism is, I'm, a, I'm by myself, I'm me, it's just me, and I can talk to God out on the lake when I'm fishing. I don't need no church. You know, okay, that's a whole other set of issues, but monadism is I'm going it alone. I don't need anybody. And you can't do that. You can't do that and be a part of the body of Christ, Brian. So group cohesion, there's an expectation that you are a part of a group. Lisa, thank you. It also implies that there's some kind of prioritization. Jesus is taking first place somehow. His teachings... There's some kind of submission to and obedience to Jesus by the people who are the church, his disciples. Yeah. And lastly, there's some kind of pastor, some kind of commitment. It's got to cost you something. There's a commitment to maintain group cohesion and purity. Purity to doctrine, for example, because the church is the pillar and support of the truth. Now, Christ Church and all our doctrinal statement is very clear. There's no other way to heaven but Jesus. That's it. Okay. So if you're here uh, and you go, oh, no, I, I, think, I think everybody goes. Everybody goes eventually. You, re you reincarnate until you get it right. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> What's that? If you're not in a church and having that conversation, you might actually do that. But when you're yeah. together in a church with other believers, you keep one another on track. That's accountability. That includes doctrine. Yes, there is no other way than Jesus. No other way. We don't, we're not Unitarian Universalists. That's, that church is right near my house. You know, it's interesting about sacrificial commitment. Um, and I say this as a 38 plus year veteran of doing this. You ready? Sometimes, not always, the people who give the least or almost nothing the people who have the least attendance and participation demand the most out of the staff. They give the least. You've seen it. Some of you have some, some parents or staff members. These church folks who give the least, who serve the least, complain the most and demand the most out of the staff. It's very, very common. Sometimes we're really selfish people. Patch, it's a giving and receiving, right? Yeah. Um, what are the qualifications for church membership? 
I'd say number one, you've got to be born again, right? Got to be born again. Number two, I think you need to be baptized. Baptized, yeah. And then there has to be some kind of doctrinal and theological agreement. You can't be a part of Christ church and believe that Buddha in the way of the, the path of light that he argued about is the way to heaven. You can't, you, no, there's no other gospel. And so if you cannot agree with our gospel, then you really don't fit. Okay, I think you need to be an active follower of Jesus. If someone says to me, hey, Chris, I want to join your church. I used to follow Jesus when I was young. Now I'm just, I don't know, I'm just kind of lonely. Maybe I want to hang out with some people. I might work with that person, but, but that's, not, that's not good. What about good standing? A clear conscience? I think that's important for church members. That let, me, let me explain. Year, years ago, I had a family come in the door. In fact, we were here, and, uh, excuse me, the other, the other property. And he said to me, this is, I, I'm just about to start teaching. He goes, you're the 16th church I've been I've gone to. Let's see how you do this one. <laughs> Hot dog. I, I hope he joins. No. <laughs> I hope he goes far and away. Go find something that you're happy with. Why don't you go to your own church? Make it up and do it in your living room or something. Whoa. And you know what? That dude was trouble from day one. His whole family was trouble. Day one. Would demand more out of me. Like, you got to come help right now. Remember that, Lisa? Bang, I better, I better be Johnny on the spot. You know, they've got a question. They've got a need. <laughs> they, they, you know, you can only tolerate me for so long, you know, and you got to get out of the kitchen. I know it gets hot. So, uh, man, if, if, if Jack and Jill are a part of First Baptist and they cause trouble there, then they go to Second Baptist and cause trouble there. Then they go to Third Baptist, cause trouble there. And then they come to Christ Church. What do you think I'm going to expect? The reputation proceeds in my thought. Uh-oh. When's it going to hit the fan? When's it going to happen? Yeah, so if someone is, is a troublemaker and not a peacemaker, whoo, I don't think you're going to fit here. All right, I'm turning it over to you. This is a big deal. It really, really is. No counsel from the hypocrites, please. Appropriate language. Speak in a word that is that's going to honor Scripture, honor Jesus, and build us up. All right. Let's, let's make it count. What are the implications for attendance at Christ Church? Cohesion for commitment, for accountability, and service at Christ Church. Now that we've walked through that, what do you think? What are the implications? Take financial responsibility for your participation in the church. Yeah, somebody's got to pay the light bill. I know that sounds awful business-esque, but this is, where we, this is where we do church. I knew you wouldn't want to say that, so I thought... Thank you, Ed. Ed's reading the mail. Ed's reading the mail. You know me. Yes, Michael. The uh, items that you have listed after the question of what are the implications involve things that... I think sometimes people take them as not required. Yeah. I think they're optional. Yeah. Commitment, accountability, service. I mean, you see in life, you see the 80-20 rule. 
and churches the same. Explain the 80-20 rules. That might be a new concept. 80% of the work is usually done by 20% of the people. And 80% of the money is given by 20% of the people. So a disproportionate workload and obligation fall on a few people. Yeah. You know, it's easy for me to say that because I have a gift of service, so I love to be up here and yeah. serve. And you do. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, because you're not up here, but what that means to us, and this kind of couples with what I was talking about with being under authority, is you have to, just like you had on the previous slide, an active follower of Jesus to be able yeah. to put all that together and yeah. make it something. Yeah. That's part of your church membership. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. Someone else. Yes, Jeff. I think I'd summarize it all by saying the members here should not show up looking to be fed. They should show up looking to feed. Yeah. We are all here to feed somebody else. Yeah. Paul needs a Timothy. Timothy needs a Paul. Paradoxically, if everybody shows up to feed somebody else, you're going to get fed. Yeah. Funny how that works. Yeah. We, uh, that's not what you can do for your country. <laughs> Yeah, Joe, you're actually quoting Proverbs that says, he who waters will himself be watered. Mm-hmm. Jesus said something like that. The one who gives, gets. If you hold on to it, you lose it. Give it away, you get. We are phenomenal consumers in this country. And the problem we're discussing here is in a lot of ways a modern problem that modern technology has created. I wonder how many churches did four by six cars before the advent of the car. Yeah. Because if I don't like it here, I can literally walk around the corner and there's another church I can try. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have yards For a century, we've not had that problem, so they don't need yeah. to consider, well, we need to lock people in on paper and everything like that. But yeah. The concept of attaching yourself to a body as you do to a spouse was very much there and very much pushed, as we've seen here. There you go, Joe. Now you're you get it. You're there to serve. Yeah, and yeah. If everybody's there to serve, everybody's yeah. there to serve. Yeah, and uh, as we have said, if everyone functions out of their spiritual gift, there's no neglect in the church. So someone else, what are the implications if we're going to get what it means to be the church and responsibility in that membership? um, What are the implications for that? Anybody? Yeah, Cody. Um, Yes, sir. That's so good, Cody. Thank you. Thank you. Um, We're moving closer and closer to a publishing date on a major research project um, on the Lord's Supper and maybe get this thing out by March. But Cody, you're on to something. When it comes to the Eucharist, Paul's the most clear teachings you get in the New Testament are going to be on 1 Corinthians 11. And here's what's amazing, Cody. All of Paul's correctives are given to the entire church. Now, if it was a Catholic kind of format, Paul would have instructed the bishop or the priest privately, and then he would have carried it out. But he doesn't. 
He doesn't talk to deacons. He doesn't talk to elders. He doesn't talk to priests. He talks to the entire church and says, look, the Eucharist is yours. You need to own this thing and you need to fix it. He asks everybody. That's so good. So the church, there's corporate ownership. It, it's not you hire a staff to do the ministry for you. We're all in the ministry. This is so good. Somebody else. Church membership, the implications here. I don't know if this has been said, but I know that the era of super sensitive churches that have come here is still here. Um, I was thinking about the fact that as a church, it would be really easy for us to be exclusive, which is it's a factor of being part of the church. There is, there are, it is. But at the expense of people coming in curious, at the expense of coming to people coming in not having the opportunity to be loved, I think that's a mistake. Yeah. So yeah. we should be able to balance our core body requirements mm-hmm. and communicate those clearly alongside the inclusion of those that don't align with it, but are curious and are looking for answers to questions. So yes. Don't close the doors to non-believers. Right. Yeah. Open them up. Yeah. And give them that education. Give them that understanding of what it really means to follow Jesus. That it's not just, we love him. Come on in. You can participate any way you want. Because we want to make sure that you feel included. Yeah. It's really about, we want you to be a part of this. But you're the core tenants of the house. This is who we are. Yeah. Yeah. If you have the Yep, yep. Uh, Nathan. That's actually true. Yep. And yep. so I think that we should kind of consider that in terms of like thinking about, I, I don't think, you know, Paul was really considering the internet when he, you know, was writing to these different churches. And I think the idea of like them saying like, well, I'm a member of this church because they believe this list of doctrines compared to this other church that's almost the same name, but it's got this other list of doctrines. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was necessary. Yeah. Nor did they have in mind like that, that it would be 
easy, like you said, to go from church to church to church based yes. on yeah. what your, yeah. you know, yeah. your flavor of the month is. That's good, Nathan. Yeah, so my brother, I love you. Um, you're 50% correct. <laughs> yeah, and let me explain. Um, culture has changed radically. You are so correct. You know, if we do church discipline and I say, Jake and Carrie, you can't take the Eucharist here anymore. We're going to shun you and you go out the door. You're going to say, well, <laughs> I don't care about him anyway. We're going to go to the next church. And because you, you got a thousand options in, in Little Rock. So therefore, church discipline becomes a little bit absurd. You can find somebody else. So you're right. We're highly mobile, and there's tons and tons of options. If you got shunned at, at Philippi, there's no other options, and it would sting. But now I correct you, Nathan, lovingly, because actually there was standardization among the Pauline churches. Paul said, if anybody teaches a false doctrine and other than what you're hearing, ignore it. Uh, Paul said, I want this letter read in all the churches. Your point is well made. High mobility changes everything. But there was standardization to get doctrine right among these fledgling little churches. Okay, we're wrapping it up. This is what I want you to do. Um, I, I want you to think about this. Um, Hebrews 10 says this. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some people. Question, if you're going to have accountability, commitment, and group cohesion, you ready? This is a fun question. How many times should you go to church a month? <laughs> How many times? 27. <laughs> Once a month? Is that good? How many times a quarter? Once a quarter? Doesn't the scripture say, don't forsake the assembly together? That's so literally what I just put in here. Yeah. But I skip out on Wednesday, so I don't really want to say that. Out. You know, you're so close. <laughs> Almost there, buddy boy. If you love Jesus, you come on Wednesday. Yeah, that's okay. You, you get my point, all right? I don't want to drive this into the dirt with you guys. There are some people that are so hit and miss. I get them once a year. Like Christians, they're called CEOs. Christmas and Easter only, <laughs> right? You get them once a year, twice a year. Some folk... Once a quarter, get them once a quarter, you know. Uh, some folks, once a month, you know. And then there's these amazing people like you. You're here every Sunday. And, and you, you walk with me through these things. Now, could Christ Church improve uh, attendance? Yes. If you got a highly skilled communicator besides Chris Perry, someone with amazing pulpit skills and charm, a great joke teller, you know, that's, I'm not that. Um, and someone who doesn't talk in, in stupid, childish ways about things like Pop-Tarts. What kind of a pastor would do that? Sure, man, you could have them hanging in the, off the rafters. You know, so I realize sometimes, you know, well, I don't want to go to church this morning. Why? Chris, it sounds like he says the same thing every time. I'm sick of this. I want something fresh and exciting. Okay. Well, then get on YouTube and dial up Jackie Chan. I mean, Francis Chan. And, and, and he will give you the word of God. That's like a little Jackie Chan in your life. Okay, Francis Chan. It's so much better in Francis. That shaved head, come on. That's just awesome. You can see the anointing just reflecting off that forehead. You know. Okay, when your marriages fall apart, I dare you to call Francis and see if he'll pop over and talk to you about your marriage. I dare you. Give him a call. 
He'll go, yes, oh, it's you, hello, I knew it was you, yeah, let's talk. Yeah. We're the body of Christ. We need each other. We need each other. And it's a sad thing when the heavy, heavy workload falls on a few people and those who attend the least, give the least, serve the least, demand the most. And they expect, you know, boy, pastor, he, he better respond. He better. And if I find the slightest thing wrong, mm, Pretty much, yeah. So, and by the way, that can go both ways, um, David. I, I even see people on my caseload who have been actually abused by pastors. And I don't mean sexual abuse, although that's uh, actually, that's been on my caseload too. Severe sexual abuse by pastors. But, but pastors who have egos of such dysfunctional proportion that they literally get involved in hyper-controlling behaviors toward church members. Horrific. You don't want to know. You don't want to know what I know. How about that? And that's across the board in what I do. So, all right. You're the church. You've done so well. Church membership really is biblical. It just doesn't use the modern lingo that we're used to. Yes, you join. You take sides with you commit to and there's group cohesion and you sacrifice and serve one another as the body of Christ. Paul wrote it's all in the writings of Paul. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you so much for each person that's here. Thank you for the love and grace that you bring to us. Thank you that your son is who we rally around him. We're called out to draw near to your son Jesus and stay put with him. And I ask that everybody do that. And then 2023, man, they're all in. We're here to serve. We commit, we're committing to cohesion, to be the body of Christ, to love and serve each other. Please give us this grace. Lord, I pray that your glory would be here and people would sense truth and they would sense the unfailing love that you have for us. Bless now and, and, and just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.